2: Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to Invest Talk. It is Thursday, February 14th, 2019. I am Steve Peasley, and you know we do this show every day, Monday through Friday, 4 to 5. And I thank you for joining me, as I usually do. And today's Valentine's Day, in case you forgot. You know, you didn't get your. You don't have to buy me any candy. You don't have to send me any flowers. I don't want any of that. What I do want you to send me is your questions. So. This is all about answering your questions, your financial questions, the show, Invest Talk. So, remember, the goal is to get you to be financially free, to do whatever you want to do, you know, and to stop working for money and have the money working for you instead. That's where you want to be. So, that's what we're all about. It's the same kind of philosophy we've been talking about. We want, you know, for us, we, we, think, we think we should, we, our job is to think independently and then share the success of that thinking with our clients. That's what we do. I mean, that's, our, that's one of our mantras. Think independently. Don't just follow the crowd everywhere. So, and it's sometimes hard, hard to do that. It really is. But that's the goal. So, you know, we talked about what financial freedom is, and it's different for every person. It it depends on what you want out of life, where you want to go. Financial freedom could be just what it is. is—is just not worrying about paying the bills. That's really what you want to do. Not worry about paying the bills. You worry about other things, but not paying the bills. That's financial freedom to me. You know, to do what you want to do instead of what you have to do. Now, today in the hour, I'm going to do my best to help you get there. And we'll do it one step at a time by answering one question at a time, trying to educate you in the ways of the market, because sometimes these ways are pretty Byzantine. They're very, it's hard time, time to figure out what the market's doing. As I've said before, in the short term, the market can act like a spoiled child, up and down, irrational, kicking and screaming. In the long run, it's very rational. It's all about earnings, it's calm. And the stock will go up if earnings go up. Happens every time. So that's what it is. So what do you want to talk about? We're live right now. Eight 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 ninety nine is Our number you can call. Eight 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 ninety nine C H A R T. I love to talk to you. Now today we had some economic news out. Was pretty um, disheartening actually. Uh, it was delayed, but it finally came out. This is uh, it was so it's for December, and this was the. Uh, This was uh, uh, the retail sales report, which fell 1.2%. 1.2%. is the largest drop since September of 2009. 2009. 1.2% in December. Now, you know, if I was, I don't know, cynical, I guess, this report was for December. Do you remember what happened in you know, remember December's report should have came out in January, right? So you remember what happened with the Federal Reserve in December. They raised the rates. In January, they switched from being hawkish on interest rates, going to raise them some more to dovish saying, "Oh, we're going to be patient." Now, this report, retail sales was a work since 2009. It just came out now. And it's for December. Do you think the Federal Reserve saw it in January or knew what the numbers were going to be in January, and maybe that's why they changed their tune? If I was cynical, I would think that the answer would be yes. And guess what? I'm a little bit cynical on this. I really am. You know, so I just wanted to bring that out. Now, why is the market rallying? Well, we're going to talk about that a little bit more, but, you know, there's good news on the trade negotiations. I mean, we don't know where it's going necessarily, but, you know, you're getting a a positive uh, vibes from what people say that are supposed to be in the know. But this 1.2% drop in GDP, I mean, in retail sales, is going to probably affect GDP. And it may mean that we will not get a 3% year over, for the first time for this year, 2018 growth of GDP. May not be 3% now. Because this is going to pull it down. I don't know how far. We, that report is delayed also. So we don't know. Maybe the Fed knows something there too. Hmm. Anyways, Disney, you know, Disney is uh, in preparing to roll out its streaming service. They canceled their contact sharing content sharing contract with Netflix. Now, Disney is releasing Frozen Two here shortly. The first Frozen film was a huge blockbuster. Still, still huge. You know, I mean, as far as kids and toys and everything else. So you know, so they're gonna, they're gonna, they're gonna be direct competitors with Netflix, and they're not the only one. It's Disney, Netflix, Apple, Amazon. These are all big, huge companies and are all going to be fighting to produce content, fighting for your business. Interesting. J.P. Morgan came out with its, with its own cryptocurrency, backed by the big bank. Uh, and, and it's not going to be for everybody. You're not going to be able to use anything. It's really for JPM. It's, it's a JPM coin. They're calling it. It's a digital token. They want. They'll be used to instantly settle transactions between clients of its wholesale payments business. So its own business. So I think that that's only a small fraction of their whole business. But I find it interesting because do you remember Jamie Dimon comments about Bitcoin? He said it was a fraud, and here he is. His company's coming out with a cryptocurrency of their own. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, since it's a bank, J.P. Morgan, there might be some more, a lot more oversight by the federal government over their currency. We'll see how that plays out. But if cryptocurrencies take off, which I think they will be a part of doing business, uh, expect more more oversight by the government on that, banking authorities. 30-year mortgage, 4.3%, 4.37%. So if anyone's looking to be buying a house, that's a pretty darn good rate. So think about it. As you can tell, there's always lots of interesting news out there every day, and I bring up some of the ones I think are interesting every day. But first, before we go any further, let's go ahead and grab a question on our anytime anytime listener line number, 888-99-CHART.
1: Hi, Steve. Uh, I saw you last week when you were here in San Jose, and I forgot to ask you, since I'm now fully retired and no longer working, can I still put into my Roth on a regular basis because I've been having automatic withdrawals put in from, from my account, income account, which is not employed income anymore. Okay, thank you.
2: I think you can. I'm not an expert on the uh, on the uh, uh, you know how, uh, whether you can can or cannot put money in Roth or regular IRA. I know you can put as long as you have earned income for a regular IRA, you can put money in it. Roth, since it does not tax, I don't think you have to have earned income. I think you can put money in Roth, and you know I think you can. I wish I knew the answer for sure. But that's a question I need to ask my accountant or look it up on the internet somewhere. But I do think you can. So uh, remember, Roths grow tax-free, and you never have to take them out. Never. Whereas a regular IRA, uh, they grow tax-free. But every dime you take out, unlike a Roth, you have to pay tax on that money. Add it to your adjusted gross income and pay income tax on it. I suppose if your adjusted gross income is low enough in retirement, you won't have to pay income tax on it. But that means you're very poor. <laughs> okay, you're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Steve Peaslee, and I want to thank you for making this program part of your routine. Jess and I do our very best to make it interesting and instructive. If we can, we try that. And when, when and whenever you have investment questions, I really do inclo- really want you to. Ask by calling our listener line. open all the time, 100% of the time. 888-99-CHART is that number. And remember, you can subscribe to our podcast of this show. It goes on every day right after the show. So give us a call. Eight 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 ninety nine 99 chart
0: This is Invest Talk. We are wrapping up our Thursday. The weekend will be here soon, and it's now official. Steve Peasley will be returning to San Jose on Wednesday, March 13th. Space is limited, but if you act fast, you can register for his free one-on-one portfolio review consultation. Details at InvestTalk.com. And now, Steve is here taking your calls live.
2: 888-99-CHART. 888-992-4278, I'm going to talk to you, our main talking point today. Why a stock market rally has taken hold on Wall Street. I mean, it's January and really up to February here. We're right at the 200-day moving average on most of the major indexes. What does that mean? But we're going to talk about that today. Why is this a bullish? Why, what's driving the market? How long will it drive it? I'm writing about that in the newsletter this week, too, which will go up by tomorrow. Our premium newsletter goes out tomorrow. Some of the other topics I want to talk about. We always like to see when Warren Buffett or Berkshire Hathaway files their 13F with the SEC, that tells you what they've been doing, tells you what they're buying and what they're selling. I think we'll go over what stocks they're buying and what they're selling, what Warren Buffett is doing. Um, it, you know about Amazon and its headquarters, right? It's H headquarters number two on the East Coast. Do you know how much the states have to give Amazon to attract this? And do you know how much other companies demand from states or states give up um, to do this? you know how common it is? we I want to touch, talk about that for a minute. And um, why Krogman is wrong and why you should be bet on America. say he thinks the market's going to keep going up. Um... I'm I'm hesitant about that. Really, I'm hesitant about that. So those are the things we're going to talk about. But of course, what's on your mind comes first, not me. So the Dow was down 104 points today. The Nasdaq was up seven, which is pretty minimal, and the S&P was down seven. And what you're seeing, if you look at look at a chart of the S&P 500, you'll see that one, two, three, four, five, six. The last eight days, eight days ago, it came up and was going up strong and touched the 200-day moving average. Then it fell back two or three days. Then two or three days, it got above it yesterday. And today it was down right at the 200-day moving average. That's called resistance. We call that resistance. In other words, it's resisting the attempt to break through the 200-day moving average. Why is that? Why do I use the 200-day moving average? Only because all technical... Traders use 200-day moving average. That's the only reason why there is any resistance. This is just a reaction by investors and traders to the different moving averages. And the 200-day moving average is one of the, the most, I, I would say, durable moving averages. And the, the theory is if, if, the, if the indexes or stock break above the 200-day moving average, it's now in a new bull market phase. And that's why it becomes resistance. It also becomes support if you're above the 200-day moving average and comes down to it and bounces around. Look at the S&P 500. Look back March. March of last year. It went right down to the 200-day moving average, bounced off. Then in May, it did it again. Bounced off, up. Now in October, it went down to the 200-day moving average, it bounced up for two or three or four days. Then went down, broke through it, then came back up, through it again. So it does, that's the kind of thing technici- technicians look at and say, see, 200-day moving average is meaningful. I don't know. Remember, looking at charts is an art, not a science. They just tend to be true. You're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Steve Pisa and I believe that every investor should determine their own individual risk tolerance. As you know, I talk about it every day or almost every day and you need to find out what your risk tolerance is and you can do that. We have a tool for that, free, to calibrate your own personal risk tolerance. Try to come up with how much risk you're willing to take and comfortable with. And It's just a simple questionnaire. Riskalyze. It's called Riskalyze, a piece of software. So go to InvestTalk.com and Take the questionnaire. But now I'm ready to answer and take your questions. 888 99 chart.
0: This is Invest Talk. Are you doing everything possible to make sure that your investments are performing as well as they should be? Well, There's a treasure trove of wealth building information freely accessible right now at investtalk.com. You'll find investment strategies and unbiased guidance. The phone lines are open, Steve is here, and he's ready for your questions. Call 888-99-CHART. 888-99-CHART.
2: Our main talking point today. Why the stock market rally has taken hold on Wall Street in February? Well, to me, it's no big mystery. It started, of course, in January after the worst December in history. Then we had a very strong January, one of the best. And why? It started because it was way oversold in December. So you expected a bounce, so that's where it started it with with the bounce in January, and how it got a hold in February. Almost all of this has been about you know uh, talk that the China and U.S. trade negotiations is moving forward. Now I don't think it's anywhere near done. I, I really don't. But you know they the, the, there's positive coming out of whatever's going on. We hear positive things now whether it's true or not we don't know for sure no one does except those people involved but also added to that is the trade the uh the the negotiations with the republicans and democrats about the wall and of course today trump said he's gonna sign it and then he's gonna you know try to do something else to to get more money but but that, that is also means the shut government shutdown won't happen again. Government shutdown won't happen again. And, of course, the market likes that too. So those two things were the catalyst for February's move. What's going to be the fat catalyst for March? I guess if we get a signed deal with China, maybe. I don't think that's going to happen, but you know, not in February, March, I mean. But I guess that could be. But I don't think so. It's not going to be earnings because earnings by the experts is being downgraded pretty sharply for this year, 2019. And we know that the world economy has been downgraded, you know, growth wise by the IMF, International Monetary Fund. So, what's going to be the catalyst to move our market higher this year? And a lot of people don't see one, don't see it. At the same time, there's no, recessions usually start when there's an excess of some kind, something gone crazy in the economy or the, the housing market or lenders, something goes wrong. Yeah, there's a bubble somewhere. Well, we don't have any any sign of that at all. We don't have an outside, you know, lots of inflation, which means the Fed would raise rates and that would push us in the recession. The Fed says they're going to be patient. Maybe that, maybe they came in just in time to be patient about our about our economy. So I'm thinking there's no real reason for the economy to collapse, therefore, stock market to go down. So it's not, there's nothing, there's not clear, really, if you want to know the truth. Anyways, let's go ahead and take a call. Let's go, talk, let's go talk to Stan in Oakland. How you doing, Stan? Hi, Steve. Uh, love the show. Thank you. You want to talk about the financial sector?
1: Yeah. Uh, looks like, you know, I'm looking at the ETF,
2: XLS. Looks like the banking sector mm-hmm. has been uh, underperforming the market. They're
1: pretty good value. Is it uh, a good time to buy? I know Warren Buffett load up a lot of banking stocks, So it's not a good time
2: to follow. Well, you have to, you, if when Warren Buffett does something, you have to pay attention, okay? Um, and, and I will, looking at different bank stocks, XLF, by the way, is the ETF, everybody, for for, for the financial sector. So, you know, and, and um, Stan is saying, well, maybe we should be looking at the ETF for that. Then you can get instant diversification. Reason being is stocks in the financial sector are fairly inexpensive, like, you know, Citigroup. I mean, it's a 9 PE. I mean, that's pretty cheap. I'm not suggesting you buy Citigroup. I'm not recommending Citigroup. I'm just saying that, you know, that that's a pretty good PE. Um, and then if you start looking at the other banks in the sector, you see that many of them are trading on their lower ends of their PE ratios, and their earnings are being pretty, are pretty decent. So the earnings are not going down. So yeah, it could be a good time to be, be in the financial sector. The best time to buy them is in a recession. But you know that that doesn't mean you can't buy them because they're inexpensive now. Matter of fact, you probably should think about it. Now an ETF, the XLF, of course, you're getting a bunch of stocks in the in the financial sector stand. So. If you want, and that's a great way to diversify if you have a small account and you can't buy a couple, three banks because you just don't have enough assets to do so. So there's nothing wrong with using XLF. Stan, appreciate the call. Thank you. 888 chart, 888-992-4278. The market has hesitated at the 200-day moving average, and that for technicians, that's a pretty important level. And we'll see whether it can do over the next couple of weeks if it can break through. I think it's kind of an important level, um, at least psychologically is an important level. So we'll see if it can break through. Tomorrow on talk, retail sales plunge 1.2%, as I mentioned at the top of the hour. The drop raises new concerns about consumers. I was looking at that report. I don't know if it does, but we're going to look at that closer tomorrow okay but for now i'm steve Peasley. i'm ready to take your questions at 888-99-CHART-888-992-4278
3: your typical workday can be very busy assignments appointments responsibilities obligations sometimes you start early and end late for that reason alone you may already be looking to the future to a period when your money, your accumulated assets are working for you and ultimately creating financial freedom. There are many voices suggesting financial planning services, but there's one company, one firm, that offers a balanced variety of strategically designed investment plans. One firm that applies decades of experience to enable a client-personalized collaboration. One firm that can show you how to optimize an investment portfolio that fits your lifestyle objectives and risk tolerance limitations. One firm that speaks with a clear, logical, and unbiased voice. Start with a contact call to KPP Financial or visit kppfinancial.com.
0: 2019 has certainly been interesting for investors so far. Steve and Justin encourage you to make Invest Talk a part of your daily routine. Their unbiased guidance can be an invaluable aid to your efforts at building a strong portfolio as you work and plan for your comfortable financial future. Now, the phone lines are open, Steve is here, and he's taking your questions live.
2: 888 99 Chart. 888-99-CHART. Let's talk to Bobby in Atlanta. How are you doing, Bobby? want to talk about Coca-Cola. Hey, Steve.
1: Yes. How you doing?
2: Good. Thank you for the call.
1: One thing I don't understand, Coca-Cola is a big blue-chip company, and I think uh, they sell today because they're going to make less money this year. I think they said they're going to make mm-hmm. $2.09. But even mm-hmm. if it's $2.09, and if I give the market fee of 15 I would think the stock is on more than $35, but right now it's at like 46 dollars
2: mm-hmm. So, Okay.
1: I don't, do you think it's
2: overvalued? Shall I just wait? I, I think it's been overvalued for a while. I, I think you should wait. It went right down to the 200-day moving average today, I noticed, and stopped. Uh, it was down everybody because Coca-Cola announced you know, not the best earnings. And it was more on their future guidance. They, Bobby, they were disappointing what they were going right. to do in the future, at least the guidance was. So I think that's what really hurt the stock. And you do realize Coca-Cola is Warren Buffett's largest, one of his largest holdings. Coca-Cola is. He's had it for years and years and years and years. Um, the problem with Coke is sales are dipping and they've been dipping for two years. They've been going down every quarter for two years and they haven't turned that around so i think everybody's starting to wake up them wait a minute you know other i think what they're realizing is at least in america people are moving away from coca-cola they're doing other kinds of drinks you know power drinks or fruit drinks or plain old water you know coca-cola is in all those things too but they're they're their highest margin is in their Coca-Cola products. And, of course, they're worldwide. I think if you wait, you might be able to pick it up at a better price, actually. Pays a 3.4% dividend. So, you know, that's pretty good. And if the price comes down to the, I don't know, if the price comes down to $40, $41, I, I, I'd be more comfortable with it there. I would.
1: All right. Okay. Thanks, Bob. Yep. appreciate right. the call.
2: Okay. Kay- Thank you for the call. KO, everybody. Coca-Cola. I don't think there's a big rush to pick it up at this price because it fell from, you know, $50 down to $45 today. So, no, nah, I don't think. Just wait. Let's see what it does. 888-99-CHART, 888 4278 So, what is Warren Buffett doing? Okay. Now, Berkshire Hathaway has to file what's called a 13-F with the SEC. And in that 13-F, they they, they have to report what they're doing what they're buying, what they're selling. New position. They took on a new position in the most recent 13F report. In Red Hat, they bought 4 million shares at $733 million. Okay, don't get excited. That's not necessarily a lot of money for them, but it's a new position. They also took a new position in Suncore Energy. They bought 10.75 million shares and that's a bigger position, much bigger position. Also bought a, a position in Stone Company Limited. People talk about Stone Company as the PayPal of Brazil. 14 million shares. Those are what he bought. What he sell is always interesting, too. He sold 2.89 million shares of Apple. Don't get excited. Because Apple, he they own, he Berkshire Hathaway owns two hundred forty nine million shares of Apple, and thirty nine billion dollars worth of Apple, a twenty one percent holding of Berkshire Hathaway. So just selling two point one is like just doing some trimming around the edges when they had two hundred forty nine million shares. Also sold Philip sixty six. Sold quite a bit of it, twenty-two percent. Sold twenty-two percent of their holding in Phillips. They also sold fifteen percent of their holdings in United Airlines, and they got out completely of Oracle. Oracle. That was forty-one million shares they dumped out of Oracle. So there was something, some interesting things going on with Apple. I mean, with uh, Berkshire Hathaway this last recent, most recent quarter. Don't you think? I think it is. 88899 chart Remember, Warren Buffett spends the most money in recessions. He's got a lot of cash. A lot of cash sitting on the sidelines. So he likes to put that to work in recessions. He's very patient. This is Invest talk. I'm Steve Peasley. And dealing with developments like stock market volatility, real estate costs, and new tax laws makes it plain that it takes plenty of persistent discipline to build a strong investment portfolio. you got to stay focused. And to fund your retirement savings is very difficult. We know that. I know that. But you have to do it. The earlier you start, the more you'll have, and you'll be very happy. The later you start, you're going to be unhappy because you're going to put more and more and more of your money away, and you're always behind. You're going to be nervous. You don't know how much money you're going to need in retirement. It's, it's hard to know. So you need some questions answered about that? Well, call me. I'll be happy to talk to you about it. So, I encourage you to reach out to Justin or myself in our email at KPP Financial, and we'll give you some guidance on those things. Okay, so give us a call or send us an email. Anyways, uh, I invite you to, if to a- ask any financial questions right now that you might have. The number to call right now to ask, ask those questions is 888 99Chart.
0: This is Invest Talk, made possible by KPP Financial, where they describe their services as. Independent thinking, shared success. And Invest Talk listeners and KPP clients alike are invited to take advantage of the many products and services of KPP Financial. For example, the Invest Talk radio program and its podcast replays, the new online training experience, Invest Talk Academy, the KPP Premium newsletter, distributed each Friday, and the next no cost portfolio review opportunity with steve peasley yes steve will be returning to san jose california on wednesday march 13th to meet with invest talk listeners who understand the value of having a focused portfolio strategy if you register and then make time to sit down with steve he can very likely show you how to maximize your investment performance these are free consultations but space is limited So get started now at investtalk.com. Hi, this is Tony in Minneapolis. I have a question on Micron technology. I followed uh, David Tepper as a hedge fund manager into uh, Micron. It had dropped quite a bit. I purchased at 50 and averaged in. uh, It had dropped down to about 28. But I'm averaged about 38. It's up a bit. And his feelings when it was a big Future movement for Micron would be uh, data centers uh, with their DRAM and NAND technology and artificial intelligence. Just curious for your opinion. I'll listen online. Thank you very much.
2: Well, I do think Micron technology has a lot of potential. Uh, MU is the symbol, everybody. makes DRAM, as he pointed out, it makes DRAM flash memory sensors, that kind of stuff, servers. It's a $47 billion company. They're going to make $7.70 this year, but that's down from $11 last year per share. They're going to make $6.54 a share next year. So, earnings are going down. Sales are still rising, growing, but growing slower. So, the stock has fallen from 62, went all the way down to like 31 or so, and now it's at 42. So, the bottom in the market was in December, And that's where this stock bottomed and it started to rise from that bottom. So it's going to make $6 and 54 cents and it's a $42 stock. So that tells you that it's pretty much underpriced has really good return on equity, 58, 58%. Uh, Mutual funds have been adding to it, but just slowly over the last year. So I think it's really a, a pretty good price. And I think if you're a long term investor, you want to hold this through the next if you already own it, you want to hold it through the next recession. Just hold it. Because it's low priced enough and it will you know that they are economically sensitive, just like most tech companies. Um, but we're pretty far away from a recession at this point. I don't think we're we're close to it. So I would hold on to it. Micron MU is a symbol. Uh, excuse me. Anyways, eight 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 ninety nine charters our number. Amazon, you know, uh, just announced the headquarters that it's going to have its second headquarters on the East Coast. But I don't want to talk about that. I want to talk about what it cost New York and and uh, and um, Virginia to get their headquarters there, and what other companies pay to do that. Because you know, big companies, you know they decide that, well, I'm going to open some big facilities somewhere and I'm going to add to that economy really big time with lots of employees and I'm pouring money into that economy. Therefore, Mr. State, what kind of benefits are you going to give me for doing it? If I if you don't want to give it to me, I'll go to this other state. They may not give it to me. And that's what's been going on. And in fact, there's been 400 deals at $75 million or more in incentive packages from the various states between 1976 and 2018. 400 of these deals. That's huge. Remember, try to remember everybody, this is coming out of your pocket. The taxes you pay that you're going to have to keep paying because they're, they're getting these great tax deals. Some of it's actual outright money. Much of it is like credits, tax refundable tax credits, but in this case with uh, uh, Amazon, they got like like five, like five hundred million dollars in a grant. That's free money. I mean, that's money they're just giving them five hundred five million dollars capital grant to reimburse Amazon. What you're just giving them? They need money like a hole in the head. Why are we, Why are the states giving out these money? What's wrong with the states? And you know who's been getting these deals? Boeing from Washington, $8.7 billion in 2013. Alcoa in 2007 from New York, $5 billion. Foxcom in Wisconsin, remember that deal? $4.8 billion. And Boeing again in 2003, $3 billion. Amazon in New York. 2018, which is you know what I'm talking about here, 2.6 billion there and another, anyway. Here, so Amazon's not even the biggest deal, it's not. General Mills got 2.3 billion from Michigan. Michigan needs those tax dollars. Now I understand, I understand the other side of that. I do about you know uh, producing jobs and you know increasing economic activity, but Man, that's a lot of money. I, I think it's gone way too far. Our phone lines are open, and I'm taking your calls live now. And here's a question that came in earlier. 888-99-CHART.
0: Hey, Stephen, Justin. This is Shannon in Palm Beach, Florida. Love the show. Appreciate everything you guys do. Uh, my question today is about, it's actually about my company, which is a medium-sized pharmaceutical company. And upon being hired, I was granted 1,000 a, a shares of the company's stock. I just got the letter in the email, sort of the letter of grants or whatever it is. And uh, my question is basically, how does it work? So once the company goes public later this year, supposedly, do the shares automatically sell at that point? Right now, they're valued at $5 a share. And then when they IPO, is it like whatever they IPO at, I basically get cashed out that amount? Or do I get to hold on to them still? Or what are my options then? And any kind of feedback you have on that situation and clarification would be much appreciated. Thank you.
2: Well, I can tell you how they normally act. You're talking about a grant, uh, but you have to read the print What you because know, they, they can say whatever they want to, but it sounds like they gave you, granted you 1,000 shares, okay? So you own that 1,000 shares. When they go IPO, you still own 1,000 shares. You don't have to sell it. You can hold on to it. Many times grants might be given to you up front or after a year's worth of service, or you might earn them over a period of time, give you five hundred shares now, then five hundred shares a year from now, maybe it depends on how they structured it with you. But it sounds like to me that they granted you a thousand shares and you own a thousand shares. It's it's not it is not a public company right now, but you know, the shares, you can evaluate the shares of a private company and they're valuing about five bucks. So if they go IPO at five bucks, you didn't, you're didn't you not benefiting anyway. But as an IPO, it'd probably be easier to sell, right? I mean, because now it's a public company when it goes IPO. But you still probably, they probably have restrictions on your selling. Maybe they're restricting you at the time, how often you can go ahead and sell. And they, they have a formula as to how they're valuating that. None of that you know, but you should find out. Um, so that's how they work. It's you. You have a thousand thousand shares. Okay, then it's in your hand as a grant. It's in your pocket. Okay, interesting question. You know because you know you don't see too many grants. What you do is see is options. You know, and the options are structured in a way that. Listen, if you work for us for two years, we'll give you a thousand shares options at a price of a certain price. And then you can you can you can trigger the option. You can sell it at a certain time. They have a lot of restrictions, but a grant is different. It's you just give the shares. Here's an investment term you should know. Tactical trading. Tactical trading. Tactical, tactical, <laughs> tactical trading is a style of investing for the relatively short term based on anticipated market trends. Tactical trading involves taking long or short positions in a range of markets from equities and fixed income commodities. You can do it, a lot of different things. It's generally more complex. It's complex. It's not that simple. You want more details, go to investopedia.com. They'll explain it to you. This is Invest Talk, and I'm Steve Peasley. The year seems to be moving pretty fast, as you know. We talk about it um, pretty often because it seems like it. As I get older, things times moves fast. We only got about ten minutes. The show moves fast too. We got ten minutes left. You can get your questions in now at 99 chart.
0: On the next Invest Talk, retail sales plunged one point two percent in December. The drop raises new concerns about the consumer, which accounts for more than two-thirds of our economy. That story tomorrow. But now Steve is here, ready with answers, and he's waiting for your calls. 888 99 Hi, this is Leo from Los Angeles. I'm calling with a question about American Airlines, AAL. I have a relatively small position in the company now, and it's gone up in the past month since uh, they released their earnings. But it's been sort of steadily going down, and I'm wondering what your opinion is on whether it's a good idea to hold or or sell or to increase the position as it may go up. Uh, Look forward to hearing your answer on the program. Thank you.
1: I'd get out.
2: American Airlines Group, I'd sell it. Holding company for American Airlines and PSA Airlines, offering passenger transportation. It's a 16, 17 billion dollar company, big. Pays a really tiny uh, dividend yield of 1.1. So you really buy this cheap, and you know hope hope uh, that it's going up. Their sales. I don't like airlines overall. By the way, I'm biased against them. Just so everybody knows. Their sales are going to earn six dollars and twelve cents this year, and then six dollars and thirty-one cents last year. Next year, the last year they made four dollars and fifty-six cents. So that looks like a really good trend, right? So it's a thirty-six dollars stock going to make six dollars and twelve cents. So you're saying, man, that's a low PE, and it is a low PE. That's fairly low. Airlines are extremely cyclical, so they usually go down in recessions. This one bottomed about thirty and got up. It's now thirty-six dollars um you know i'd probably take that profit because it's making lower highs and i'm concerned it's going to be making lower lows the value is there it's a good value so it's not like you're overpaid for the stock and it's you know it's going to be it's it's going to be near the low of its pe range i just don't care for these stocks and i think you're at a peak i think it's going to roll over and go down it went up to close to the 200 day movement at Two weeks ago, and it's now just been slowly trickling down. I'd take my money and run because I don't like airlines. Why don't I like airlines? Too many unions that disrupt the business. Um, too, many, too many costs that are uncontrolled, mostly in the planes themselves, how expensive they are. And also the, the fuel they use can go up and down in price. So they got to manage all those things other than just getting passengers. And once the plane takes off, the thing that goes to worthless is those empty seats. They, they have empty seats. It's not like they have inventory of goods they could sell at a discount. Nope, seat's empty. You you're lost, lost that potential of making money. I don't like that. There's a lot of things I don't like about airlines. Doesn't mean you don't invest in them. I mean, I'm not going to. I've, I've actually had one or two or three in the last few years, but not long-term core holding for me. Airlines, I just don't care. For them. Okay, why Krugman is wrong and why you should bet on America. Krugman is just, you know, he's just, all these people, all these experts, these are all experts. Krugman is down saying, oh, the market's going to go, you know, way down. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but... Um, Um, there's other that Paul Krugman's name, he, he is a good chance of global recession this year. He thinks or next. Yeah. Okay. That's possible. Um, but bank of America, bank of America says, uh, which is bank of America, America Merrill Lynch says that you need to be bullish on America. And you know, I I just want to say that America is not going to disappear. Everybody. Everybody has these doom and gloom things. It's not going to disappear. I've been hearing that for, I don't know how, since I've been doing this business. Oh, my God, something's going to happen, blah, blah, blah. No. Long term, America's not going to disappear. It's as simple as that. The argument here is that the Klugman and others say we're going to go into recession. I think we might, but I'm not worried about it. I don't think it's going to be deep and long. I really don't. But, you know, there's no really cause for... A recession. Where's the, you know, where's the, where's the bubble? Where's the interest rate spiking up by the Fed? Where's something to cause this recession? Where's inflation getting out of control? No. Where is, you know, we have very high um, employment, very low unemployment. You have lots of job openings, more job openings, there are people looking for jobs. So what's going to cause, what's going to cause it? And that's what I'm talking about. Where that's what this article's talking about. Merrill Lynch, Bank of America says, look, you know, yeah, it's possible, but there's no reason for it at this point. Just because the economy is cyclical, goes up and down, up and down over a period of time doesn't mean you know, even if it goes for a quarter or two quarters shrinkage, I don't think it's going to be very bad. I'm Steve Peasley and this completes another Investop program already. And I want to thank you for joining me today. I appreciate all the questions. And tomorrow, Friday, well, I'll be here. We'll talk about the KPP Premium Newsletter tomorrow, too. So have a nice evening, everybody, and good night.
1: Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically.